In a world of podcasts about movies, sci-fi, TV, and podcasts about sci-fi, TV, and movies, two women chose to add their voices to the fray. Two sisters. One woman was willing to go to any length to explain away plot holes and bad pacing. I don't think, first of all, much like the entirety of this film, I don't think we're supposed to ask a lot of questions. The other, though, had no such sympathies. Oh, I hate it. I hate it. Together, they joined forces to highlight the good, the bad, and the truly bizarre. This is See You Next Week in Space. everybody as always thank you so much for listening to see you next week in space this is amy here with a quick little note in this episode we do discuss the topics of sexual assault violence and mental illness if those are things you do not wish to hear about feel free to check back in with us next week as we will have a much lighter show and topic to go over with that said on to the episode Well, hello everyone, and welcome to See You Next Week in Space. Sarah here, and I'm with my sister and co-host, Amy. And Amy, I think I've got a bit of a a doozy of an opening question for you. Yikes. Um, I'm legit scared. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And the question is, what do you know about schizophrenia? Oh, shit. That is a doozy, and I feel a little put on the spot because I have not done research. Um, the answer is I don't know much. Um, well, I guess and- I here's a follow-up then because I also don't know much, though I do, in all fairness, have the Wikipedia page for schizophrenia opened up. Um, yeah. I know, like, very pop culture stuff, but I think it's more nuanced than, like, what we generally see in media representations right. of it. And so tying us to the movie that we've watched for <laughs> today, um, do you think that schizophrenia is a virus that is brought on by contact with water? No. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I or I've never gotten the the uh, that cue from anything I've seen regarding schizophrenia. But also, I if that's something that was alluded to in this movie, I didn't get that. Oh. Um, <laughs> I mean, now that you say it, I guess I can see that thread. But I was not. Um, here's the thing about me: I <laughs> I enjoy movies generally on a quite surface level sure so if there's a if there's a lot of and even sometimes like even above the surface <laughs> if that makes sense like, you don't even want to go <laughs> as far as the surface even would take totally, you yeah yeah I'm like floating above it like just kind of oh like one of those weird like <laughs> you know when you go to like a pond or a lake in summertime and there's a and if you go swimming and your eyes kind of just come up and there's those weird little bugs that are like I'm the little bug that like <laughs> floats above the water and I'm just like observing oh look at that movie that's kind of weird um so I don't see a lot of like if we're trying to go deep or if there's a lot of 
even if it's not that hidden, let's be real. But like, so I didn't get that from this movie. But I will say pretty confidently as not a doctor, not a uh, neuroscientist Mm -hmm. that that schizophrenia is not a virus that is not. What did you say? Caused by a virus or is a virus? Um, That it can be caused by a virus and that it's like activated by being near or in contact with water. Yeah, no, no, because I would say in that case, then we all have Yeah, I was going to say everyone in the world would have <laughs> schizophrenia. And what a world and that would be if everyone had schizophrenia. Oh, may, my and God. And maybe we do. That's what if we do tr- and we, we wouldn't know? We wouldn't know. Yeah, none of us would know. Oh, my God. I don't want to. Yeah, so. that I mean, um, that's a whole. But, like, yeah, so I don't think that. I mean, I guess you could say, I, I could, what I could believe even if it's not true, which I don't think it is. But what I could be persuaded to believe is that it could be um, triggered by a virus that has some type of um, effect on your brain or something that, like, eats at your brain in a way that might trigger something like that. I could sort of believe that because from what I know of schizophrenia, it does generally lie dormant for a certain period of your life and then generally like I think I want to say late 20s is when it usually manifests in a lot of people I guess it's different but um so I could potentially believe that a virus could cause some level of it but not the water part (laughs) yeah so um that is basically what's posited in this film. Um, in terms uh-huh. of, and this is just a very, very surface description from Wikipedia, so it'll be your favorite. Um, when it comes to, so first of all, schizophrenia is very poorly understood. Uh, yeah. We don't really fully get it. And what's really like, kind of terrifying to me is like uh because we don't really get it there are kind of ideas that it's genetic um Mm. and and that's kind of got some good evidence to that but then it's also Mm -hmm. seems to be sometimes driven by environmental factors and this is where Mm. um while there is indeed evidence for that um, it also seems quite a bit more scattershot than the genetic evidence, I would say, because it's like, um, you could... Meaning like a sort of a crapshoot, like yes. you can't really tell. Yeah, so yeah. like, um, some of the environmental factors that are listed on Wikipedia are oxygen deprivation, getting a viral mm. infection in childhood that then... Like, mm. as you said, it kind of lodges in your brain and then might be activated mm-hmm. later. I think that's mm-hmm. what this movie maybe is trying to posit. Um, mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. your that your mother, while carrying you, was under some sort of traumatic stress or she was malnourished. These things seem to potentially be uh-huh. contributing factors. Um, uh. And then, similarly, if you have childhood trauma... That can that can be an environmental factor yeah. that might contribute to developing schizophrenia later later in life. Um, similarly, drug use. 
I, mm-hmm. I presume also early on in life is a potential mm-hmm. issue here. Well, because that sort of, cause I think drug use like opens up a certain part of your brain yes. that like, yes. And if you, yeah. and sometimes our brain needs to be shut. Uh, yeah, there are parts of it that don't ever need to be open. Right, as this movie, again, very much demonstrates. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, there's all these different things, environmentally speaking, that people are like, maybe that also contributes when, like, and I assume this is because people develop schizophrenia who have no none of, like, the genetic uh, mm-hmm. markers that are associated with it as well. Yeah. Um, so it is true that if you have a viral infection during your early childhood, it may eventually give you like a predisposition, let's say, to developing mm-hmm. schizophrenia, but that do- that's not like a definite. And there's nothing here yeah. that says water specifically is an that's- important component to this. That part, and seems, that is, that part seems fake. And that was a central... Uh, kind yeah. of element to the movie we watched. I call bullshit on this movie. This movie's bullshit. So if y'all couldn't tell, we're talking about a really easy breezy movie. Today. Super light, a hundred percent light. Um, um, really watchable. Yes. Like really a good time. Well, weirdly, I would um, say it is watchable. Um, but I feel ooh. like. Uh, <laughs> but why? Yes. Why don't first disagreement? But <laughs> that's okay. Um, so why don't you tell us? What movie we watched this week, Amy? Yeah. So <laughs> we watched um, The Cell. Yep. Which was a movie from the year 2000. Yep. Um, the year 2000. years ago. I, I don't know why. Whenever That's wild. Whenever I think, whenever someone says the year 2000, I just think of it like the year 2000. Like. It sounds very ominous. Yeah. Even though it's, like, gone. it's in the past now and who cares. <laughs> yeah. Um. But I also will say right off the bat, and like, I guess I'm an idiot and that's fine. But why was this called The Cell? I didn't uh, get that. I think it's in reference. We can talk about it later if it's. I think it's in reference to those tanks of, okay, wa- I hate of that. water. So that's it. That, remember that Uh-oh. water detail. That's important. For yeah. Film. Why would that? Why is that? Be, why? Oh, the cell, like the cell of water. No, like because like, it's like a, a oh. prison cell. Like that's yeah. That's what I meant. I meant like a prison cell of water. <laughs> oh, I don't know what, why. But that still doesn't make sense. Yeah, I was like, what's the of water part? Of that? Well, well, now I just pictured cell filled with water. Now I just pictured someone in a black and white striped outfit in a cell where all the bars are made of water, and it's like. A Batman Whoa. villain who like can is on, can only that be in prison. Should have watched. I could watch that movie. <laughs> um, so IMDb lists this as a crime horror sci-fi, yes. which I will say. Um, at first, when I saw that, I I saw like where I saw it listed, it said something like horror sci-fi or like um thriller something mm-hmm. i forget it, it had some words that were more appealing to me than just sci-fi right um so i w- i was hopeful going in i'll say that um <laughs> no spoilers but uh the hope was dashed uh, um <laughs> so yeah that's what we watched yes. and um, um and just f- so yeah so here's the imdb description and then i'm gonna read it and then you give your reaction as if 
you've not seen the movie. Like, okay? So, uh, okay. IMDb description. An FBI agent persuades a social worker who is adept with a new experimental technology, that's the sci-fi part, to enter mm-hmm. the mind of a comatose serial killer in order to learn where he has hidden his latest kidnap victim. Reaction? Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I love it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought you like, would. That sounds great. <laughs> like that description, the funny thing, that description sounds great to me. Was that the movie I watched? No. I mean, it also... <laughs> like, when I read that description, I was like, that's what was happening? Yes. Like, I didn't get that. I mean, I, it was... The, it also Is it the description of the movie? No, it is not. But is it the description of the movie? Yes, it is. It's both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, if, it, if they had gone about this in a more criminal minds type of way... Oh, boy. I knew. I, I knew it would be referenced. I would have liked it. Because there were criminal minds aspects that I could grab onto sure. and that I liked. Yeah. Ish. But it went off the rails real quick. Yeah. I mean, like I was saying before we started recording, the story, and I say that with like in quotation marks, the story <laughs> I don't think really was the point. Um, like the connection, like if you're looking for a good crime procedural movie that's like a hunt Mm-mm. for a sk- serial killer like we'll Mm-mm. talk about it the, something else the connective tissue like the clues that they find are like total bullshit um <laughs> and so so it isn't super delivering on the crime aspect to for no. my taste um same it definitely is delivering on the horror part i would say um well I, I well I, mean, I, I, guess I don't know if this is like, a horror movie exactly there's a lot of dead women in it so I mean like because I love it didn't I love crime procedurals and I love horror and I didn't I didn't feel I got either of the things that I like out of both of those genres right and I don't feel like I got either and, of them. And I, as a sci-fi person, I'm like, the sci-fi part of this is extremely minimal as well. Um, so what in the F was it? I Basically, don't, it I was, was a like, vehicle for Jennifer Lopez to be like, look at this look I can do. I know. And look I, at this look I and, can do. And that's fine because she did look great. Like, that's she undeniable. Did look great. That was maybe one of my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, Actually, my favorite part was the dog, yeah, but well, we'll talk about that. that fucking thing um no that mm. no uh i will say okay we'll get to it but his ruse was one of the better i uh, didn't i know i didn't like it um so i didn't like it either because guess what it would work on me of course it would of course it would so um basically this movie is loosely based on some stories that predate it um, one is the novella He Who Shapes um, that was published in 1965 and was written by Roger Zelazny. Um, okay. And then that was basically... So, ba- like, I guess the point here is that the director of the movie is this guy, Tarsem Singh. Uh, he's an Indian mm-hmm. director. This was his director- directorial debut in terms of full-length feature films um i also just want to quickly remind myself who directed this movie oh no he directed it but who wrote it 
who wrote this thing? Oh, someone. Um, someone who needs to maybe. Oh, I don't recognize somebody. I don't recognize the name. The name of the writer is Mark Protosevich. Protosevich. I don't know. Um, but anyway, he kind of bases this on some stories that pre that already were around, like this um, one I just said. Where is it? Uh, he who shapes, which was about. Um, a psychiatrist that goes into the dreams of one of their patients to try and determine kind of like what is going on. And then, um, so that's kind of like the foundational structure, well, not even structure, but like that's the foundational concept of this movie. And then it was also influenced by a movie called Dreamscape from 1984 um, that weirdly was in no way like that movie <laughs> but um let's see because dreamscape oh was about a psychic um and then various things happened there oh may i'll have to maybe we'll watch that someday oh, God. um but so anyway this was kind of cobbled together between those two things primarily and then Tarsem Singh... It seemed a got, little cobbled, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> the stories were technically connected, but also, who cares? Um, and then, I think more interesting to me is, so, like, while I was watching this, I kept being like, am I just watching a Nine Inch Nails video? Like It felt like a music happening? video. That's yes, so and, true. So Tarsum Singh professionally is typically known as Tarsum, and he began his career directing music videos. Um, no wonder they had that weird desert scene. <laughs> yes. Um, specifically, some of the ones that you can see kind of coming into this movie is R.E.M.'s Losing My Religion video, um, which is that room, when we get to it, that like kind of room where that she finds him with the tub and the splashing water and the one window and the like mm. light bulb that's just a mm. nude light bulb kind of hanging mm -hmm. down that's from that video um then as well uh he was influenced by the music videos made by a different guy called Mark Romanic which specifically is Nine Inch Nails Closer and The Perfect Drug. And I was like, I knew it. I knew it looks I mean, I like can't, I can't specifically picture those videos, but yeah. Um, it's very like... Well, even like the makeup. Like, yes. Yeah. But like the Nine Inch Nails videos, that would have been the Nine Inch Nails, yeah, from like the mid to late 90s. And it was like, here's... Like, we're filming it so it looks old-timey. So it's mm -hmm. all kind of, like, sepia tone. Yeah. And then we're going to film an image of, like, a table with uh, a pig's head on it rotting with a bunch of flies. Yeah. You know, like that kind yeah. of thing. Um, and, and, other, and then also there will be a half-naked woman in the background. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff. Yeah. But she'll be wearing a total, she'll be wearing a gimp mask on her head Ugh, yeah uh, all of it. I hate all of it by the way <laughs> but anyway the point was is I felt so vindicated when I saw that because like why do I keep feeling like I'm watching these videos yeah. of, and that's the deal um yeah. so in terms of the response when this movie came out most people and I would inc now include myself in this 
really liked the visuals or were impressed by the visuals or thought they like and I do think like even though the visuals are disturbing in many ways they look really cool like this movie looks cool especially like the dream the mind sequences yeah um and people particularly thought Vincent D'Onofrio's performance was apparently quite good um like scary you know but mm. Uh, the main, what I thought was interesting is that the main critique of the movie was that the story, such as it was, was a bit too close to Silence of the Lambs. Now, I did not get that because I, I mean, I could see the parallels, but not that it wasn't so exact that I would be like, same movie, (laughs) don't want to watch it. like. And I was kind of surprised, too, because I was like, oh, did Silence... When did Silence of the Lambs come out? So Silence of the Lambs came out in 91, and this movie is 2000. Uh-huh. And I was like, that's what people's memory used to be like that, as a collective. That something that they had made really almost bad 10 memory. years... <laughs> no, no, that they... Oh. That, that something made almost 10 years before was still enough, like, around that people were mm. like, this seems a bit like this other thing. Yeah. Now, you can debate and say, I don't think it is much like that other thing, or the, t- or the connections are very loose at best. But, like, now, the idea... I, like, I'm shocked when someone says, like, oh, that movie came out ten years ago. I'm like, oh, that felt like two minutes ago, yeah. or I never remembered it in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Um... But because because here we're still like the internet exists, but the kind of smartphone constant access to the internet world doesn't exist in right. this time. Right. And so I do think pe- as a collective, we were better able to remember things. <laughs> I suppose, than, or we had a worse memory um, and we couldn't actually look it up and confirm how bad our memory was. You know. Like, well, sure. Or I guess like, you I could remember say that different... Silence of the Lambs movie. There was like a creepy dude in it, and he like had some weird thing about skin, and he there was like a girl. The in FBI a cell, was hunting him. And, yeah, you know, like there was it probably had schizophrenia, and like there was you know, I, so I could see how. I mean, I see yeah. the correlation, but it's it's loose at best in my mind. Because yeah, yeah. I I also was gonna say maybe part of that is that. People could retain things longer because there was less content. <laughs> well, that too. Like, the, yes, because now between, you know, between today and not ten, nine, ten years from now, there's going to be about how many like Marvel movies you're not even going to remember Black Widow. You know what I mean? Like, so right. doesn't matter. <laughs> right. And we have so um, many movies that are the same now anyway. Like, yeah, well, that's the thing is back then people were like, this has hints of a movie I watched nine years ago, you assholes. Right. And now it's like literally Marvel. I mean, I don't, yeah. I like some of the Marvel stuff. I'm not just, but I, it is easy to shit on Marvel because so much of it is like you're just pumping out stuff. Yeah, and it's the same thing with the some same characters it, with like a little yeah, bit of a twist. Some of it is a lot of retreading, mm-hmm. you know, or like taking a concept that now feels very like overdone like uh 
Yeah, so that was kind of the general response. And then also, I thought it was important to mention that this movie was considered a major financial success because yeah, the wild. budget was $33 million, which I can see where that money went. Um, <laughs> and it made $104 million. That's so, crazy to me. Um, it was considered a major box office success. And it may in part have had to do with the protagonist of this movie, yeah, Jennifer Lopez, um, who was 31 when it was released. And I have recently been listening to podcasts and other things that reminded me that in 2000, J-Lo was becoming J-Lo. Like she mm-hmm. was right at cresting at her new level of fame mm-hmm. and stardom because like her first... Um, album had just come out like two oh. years before and so it was like um, Waiting for Tonight and all that stuff. Oh, that was on her um, first album? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So all of that had just been happening hmm. for her and so I have to assume and this isn't meant to sound uh, like taking the movie down a peg or J-Lo a peg because I actually really like her and I thought she was perfectly fine in this movie. Um... Like, I think she was a draw. Oh, 100%. She may have been the only draw oh, yeah. to this movie. For sure. I um, mean, because her face is on the poster or the thing. Right, like, and she looks very cool in it. She looks creepy, um, but like... Yeah. Yeah. But sexy. Yeah. Um, And so she plays a character called Catherine Dean. Um, And pretty much everyone in this movie is someone you've heard of or seen a million times before, but um, just a couple things about J-Lo that I thought were interesting and I hadn't fully realized before. So she uh, is born and raised in the Bronx, as we know from Jenny on the Block. Of course. Um, But, so she's a, and she's a New Yorican as Mm -hmm. well. Um, But what I didn't fully understand about her is that um, she like moves out at the age of 18 and just starts doing whatever to because mm-hmm. she wanted a show business career. Mm-hmm. And when I say doing whatever, I really mean like she was doing singing, she was doing dancing, she was doing acting, she was like tr- choreography. Like she yeah. was just kind of pounding the pavement, go- doing anything she could to try and kind of make her way mm-hmm. into the business. And so one of the first breaks she has, and this is well known, is that she's a fly girl on In Living Color. Love it. For two years. Um, and she and that's when she meets Rosie Perez, another <laughs> New Yorican uh, choreographer and dancer. Was she a fly girl too? She was their choreographer. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that. Yeah, and she got into act. We know she also got into acting uh, around like soon after as well. Um, but J Lo's super huge, like truly big break was when she was cast as Selena in the Selena biopic from nineteen ninety seven. That movie is fucking great. And by the way, you know what I discovered this week is a podcast called Anything for Selena, and it is so good. Whoa, it sounds um, a little creepy. Is it? Is it run by the lady who killed her? No, no. <laughs> it's just about it's a it's by this Mexican American woman who like ref, who actually I think is exactly your age oh. from some of the things she said. Um, and she's talking about her memories of Selena, but also Selena's life and her career and like mm. kind of what she meant 
for um, the Latino community in mm-hmm. the U.S. and it's really really good. Oh, I that's think. cool. If you, if you like Selena, I do the like movie, Selena. You and you like some of her songs, you would probably like this podcast. Oh, that sounds um, good. But more, this is the more fun thing that I hadn't realized. She appeared in a Selena music video in 1996. Oh, that's cute. Um, she's like not credited. She's like a lady in the background. Oh, that's um, funny. And then, in fact, J-Lo has I think she public- had to really like, uh, I, I might be totally wrong about this, but I feel like she had to like, because she wasn't so big yet at this time, I think she did have to really um fight for that role and like yeah no it was one so in this i learned this in this podcast this casting call for selena was the biggest general casting call that there had been for a movie since scarlett o'hara wow i believe that That's and it was crazy. like tens of thousands of women yeah i can i, like, I believe and that. it eventually winnowed down to her it was a very big deal to get it and part of why she got it and we do not have the time to go down this rabbit hole was that her body looked like selena's body and that was an important thing and she could do the dancing and whatever um, she famously doesn't sing in that movie. Yeah, well, of course they use I, people. I've heard they people, use I've heard people be surprised about that, and I'm like, bitch, it's it's uh, what? Uh, yeah. Also, Remy Malek didn't sing uh, Freddie Mercury in like Ladoy. Every we know this. Yeah, I don't. And that's. I mean, again, I'm not saying anything. J Lo has a perfectly lovely voice. Yeah. But Selena has a very specific voice and style that yeah. not everyone can mimic and so they were just like we're just going to use her recordings um but JLo was on record as saying that because of her experience playing Selena it made her want to seriously pursue a music career like mm. it inspired her to do so because then like I said um on the six which is her debut album comes out in 98 so yeah like we can see like she has kind of a slow burn getting into the business uh-huh. but then once she hits it's like rocket ship yeah to the top like very quickly yeah um and that brings us to of course most recently uh she was in the movie hustlers which was a fine movie but my favorite thing about that movie is my extremely gay friend who we were talking about hustlers and he was like that opening scene where jlo's like fucking dancing it made me wonder, and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's I think that's fair because I think she's like an objectively attractive human being, and like, like, sh- like I would say almost shockingly yeah, attractive. Absolutely, like, she's one of those um, people that if you saw it in real life, you'd probably feel like you'd be so <laughs> you'd be so shocked by her like beauty that you would either like your mouth would drop open or you'd like go into like a shame yeah. spiral or like whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I like- think I would just be like, if I were acting sort of normal, I think what I would do is I would just be like smiling all the time and just be like, Oh, I don't think man, I could oh, talk man. to her, like- but like, <laughs> but just like seeing her, I think would be enough to be like, Oh wow. Oh wow. Yeah. Like, I'm yeah. not even close. I, like, I- <laughs> Well, yes, it would be like, oh, that's truly that's how attractive a human could yeah. get. Like, yeah, that's amazing. But I, I think she but might again, be a marker for like how attractive a human can get. Yeah, 
um, it's hard to beat. It really an is. attractiveness. Because as you'll see, I did you I just a also... general hot woman. I was like, yes. is that it? What is that <laughs> in reference to? That's just like her life. Like that's her life story. General hot woman. Yes, she can be cool because I mean, she's like a woman of the world. She's a Renaissance woman. She can sing. She can act. She can dance. She's a mom. She gets engaged every five years. Like I know, and I um, like. I mean, we don't. Need, we're not. This is not a podcast about like pop culture, but like she's also. Right now, it's like all in the news about her being back with Ben Affleck, and yeah, um, you know, there's nothing wrong with him, but like, here's the problem with being that attractive, right? And being like the most attractive human, <laughs> if we're calling her the most right. attractive human, you, your partner is only like, no, they're always gonna fall short, it's gonna be down always. because there's not, yeah. I can't think, well, I mean, I'm sure there's very attractive men out there, but like. there's that's hard to find an equal there I will say yes I will say and I oh go ahead no 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 but because like because her breakup with um I don't I'm not an A-Rod fan Alex Rodriguez Yeah, yeah I do not like him I do like his response I've heard his public response to her being in a relationship with um Ben Affleck again when someone asked him his response was go Yankees and I think that's hilarious um, because... Oh, yeah, because he's a Red Sox boy. Yeah, because he knows Ben Affleck is a Red Sox fan. Anyway, but yes. Yeah. And it's classy because <laughs> you haven't actually said anything that's, like, a dickhead thing to say, so... Correct, and he was on the Yankees, and he's just like, this is what I talk about. I talk about baseball. I'm not going to talk about that, but actually I'm a little bit talking about that. Right, just a scope. <laughs> yeah. Not a, not a lot, just not a out, Not and outwardly, but I'm going to say... Yeah. yeah. No, I remember when she married... Mark Anthony, who I mm. think is, a, or Mark Anthony, who I think is maybe also the father of her kids. I'm not I think sure. so. Um, I was like, what is this woman doing with this rat faced man? <laughs> I just couldn't. There just really isn't, like, an, I mean, I'm, I can't think of an equal for her. And that must be hard. You know, it's poor the same, little hot it, woman. <laughs> I, it's true. Um, but it's, I guess, because it's also Charlize Theron has said similar things that, like, romantic relationships seem to fall apart for her because like you know it's not that she's like lording it over someone how great she is um but that the men that she sees or maybe women too I don't know maybe uh, anyway I don't know her sexual preferences but I I thought what she was talking about was the men she was seeing they they're the ones who eventually are like I can't like this is not sure like you're well, be- you know. well, because also, like, okay, so if we don't want to, like, objectify J-Lo too much and want to, like, bring it around to being more PC, you know, beyond the fact that she is um, aesthetically pleasing, she's also right. super, super crazy successful. And she's, yes. And she's has worked and for And legitimately it, and talented yes. and, and she works seems hard. like a good person. I mean, yeah. yeah. Like, I think her yes. work ethic is, you know, you you really don't get that successful without some type of work ethic getting you there, especially, you know, coming from, um, so, so I think it probably would be hard to be with someone who's kind of that perfect and has that much drive because it really could, again, throw you into a shame spiral of, right. Like, what am I doing? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like what's, what's my life about? Like, absolutely. And I do think that is 
Ben Affleck, be careful because I do think like he's not necessarily <laughs> the most stable. Like I think no, it, no, I he think doesn't he's got seem... some demons, and that's fine. Yeah, I'm not judging. Yes. I'm just saying he. I think we'll see. I I wish them well. <laughs> yes, I I do wish them well. He doesn't seem like a great candidate, uh, but who, you know who's yeah. to say. Yeah. Um, moving on, <laughs> we have a character called Peter Novak that is played by Vince Vaughn, who was 30 when this movie came out. Hmm. Um, he, similar to J-Lo, also just kind of struck out when he was 18 and mm-hmm. was like, I'm going to try and make this showbiz thing work. Mm-hmm. Um, his, I didn't know this because I don't think I've ever watched this movie, which I know to some sounds strange. Uh, he's in Rudy. That's his one of his first credited is. roles. It's got um, Sean Astin, and is it's it about a, sports a kid. Movie? It is a sports. Okay, movie. that's why I don't know. <laughs> um, and in that movie is when, where he met John Favreau. Oh. And John Favreau then, of course, casts him in Swingers, which of course then like sets up the rest of Vince Vaughn's career. Um, and then he plays the same guy forever. And that, yeah, that's the weird thing is like this, I would say this movie is one of the last in his IMDb credits Mm -hmm. where he's playing somebody who is meaningfully different from other characters he's played before. Because as you see here, um, he's cast in old school in 2003 Mm -hmm. and from there on out, he's mostly in buddy comedies. Yeah, and and, types. Yeah, and he's mostly the uh, kind of even even all being in that like his characters are always kind of the like douche guy. (laughs) Yes, and like um, the womanizer, the like every. I mean, he's charming in his way, but like definitely he's like creepy a little bit too. (laughs) In in the character, well, he's got. He's one of those people where I'm like, especially when in, when he's younger, I'm like, oh, you're definitely a handsome man, like and a, oh, sure. and a st- strikingly handsome man, but you're the kind of handsome that for me personally always makes me like, oh god, that guy's a creep. Like there's yeah, something well, I don't know what it is. His eyes, like, and this this sounds mean, yeah. but like he's got something behind his eyes that's like a bit evil and a bit mischievous and like he's funny so it's like you go with it and you trust but that you could see the switch like I could picture the switch where he like murders you <laughs> do you know what I, I mean I don't even think I don't even think of it nearly as that's in that sinister of a way oh. but I'm like uh, he's he and that's why he plays this in those movies he's like he's the friend of your boyfriend yes that you're like oh you're don't hang out, out with him Vince again yeah oh god you're gonna end up at the fucking strip club and there's nothing wrong with that but it's like kind of every time you do that you're really obnoxious totally and I don't love having I don't love that every time this happens it's always with this one particular guy totally like totally totally (laughs) he's absolutely he's 100% that guy and I think of him as I think his of his character in the movie the breakup have you ever seen that I have. I actually like that movie. I do too. And I think his character is very believable. And I do think he is that guy. And like, I actually love some of the lines in that movie. Like my actual all-time favorite, like most relatable, like relationship line 
is when <laughs> Jennifer Aniston says, I want you to want to do the dishes. And he's like, and why would I want to do dishes? And I think <laughs> I that's like the perfect, I think that's like the perfect back and forth because that's exactly, anyone who's been in a relationship like knows exactly what yes. that conversation is. No, that's one of the best, most realistic fights yes. ever captured on film. Yes. Like by far. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. <laughs> So then we get to your favorite boy, uh, the <laughs> character. <in> this movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't. This makes you sound very strange. I'm sorry. Um, the character is called Carl Starger, um, and that's played by Vincent D'Onofrio, who was 41 when this. He's older than I realized. He looked pretty um, good, I'll say. Like he looked I very know, young I've, to me in, in this. In my notes, at one point, I was like, "Skinny VD." Wow. Yeah. And now I'm very <laughs> curious when, did you write it in here? When, oh, Men in Black is 97. Oh, weird. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. I also just thought this was really funny. His IMDb bio says, in his career, D'Onofrio's various film characters have included a priest, a bisexual former porn star, a hijacker, a serial killer, Orson Welles, a space alien, a 1960s radical leader, a Pulp Fiction writer, an ingenious police investigator, and Stuart Smalley's dopehead brother. Like, I mean, that's he's got wild. range. <laughs> <laughs> that is range. And I think he, I... So I do like him. Here's the deal. I do like him. As an actor, I think he's great. Um, yes. This movie, and he's creepy as hell. But, yeah. like, he, I mean, that is some range, what you just read there. Yes. Like, that is, there's a yeah. lot and. And what's fun there. to me, what I would add to that is, and because like a lot of you, when you see about Vincent D'Onofrio, you see it's like actor's actor gets yep. thrown around quite a bit. Because um, he also studied it, like if, now I can't remember which of the acting schools, but he's in one of those ones that's <laughs> like, um, God, what's like the different like yeah. method acting and all those ones. Oh, sure. Um, like Stella Adler or something. Yes, that nonsense. Um <laughs> So shots fired. uh, So he's like listed as that he's done, and he is. um, But what I think is kind of especially a good a mark of an a good actor is like he's done all these things and he's kind of disappeared into the roles of all of them. Like he plays them convincingly, but every time you're like, that's Vincent D'Onofrio. Like he's got a style, he's Mm -hmm. got a thing that he does. There's something that always is like him that comes to the role as sure. well. Um, and it's not just like, oh, he's a really big dude or like, you know, cause he is huge. Like he is a large man. He's tall. Oh, he studied um, method acting at the Stanislavski. Oh my God. I can't you. speak. Stanislavski. Stanislavski. I couldn't remember which one. Yeah. Um, but so, and that I think is like a good sign. Like you can yeah. disappear into the role, but also like when you do something, it's like, that's a Vincent D'Onofrio take. Exactly. You know, well, like, like the Edgar suit, like I will go on about it forever. <laughs> like that is a very specific character and clearly not, hu- it's not even human, but somehow he like brings, like, it's also very him at the same time, yeah. but it's also well, very. Cause there was a moment in this where he was like doing the voice of Edgar I felt and it, and that was like and that really brought it back to me it's that that uh, voice you know yeah it's um, it, is, it is like because it's like it's very guttural it's like that yeah oh, I'll put my hands on my <laughs> yeah, yeah I can't stop you doing gotta that. Like when you I gotta when I hear that like your... I hear that in my 
like yeah. ahead all the time. You got to have your throat like gain 40 pounds. You got to get that yeah. like fat, fat guy voice where, cause yeah. your vocal cords are like pushed by the fat around your neck somehow. Yeah. 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 Um, he had that going on and there was a bit of that in this movie. But yeah, <laughs> I was surprised as well. Cause I always, first of all, I hadn't realized that he had been around for as long as he had. Mm-hmm. Because uh, his first kind of breakout role was as Private Pile in Full Metal Jacket in 1987. And mm. I know I've seen that movie, and when I saw that, I was like, oh, yeah, now I, I do remember him in that. Um, Adventures in Babysitting. I feel like I just watched that. I'm trying to yeah, remember. Yeah, he's, he's the one that the little girl thinks is Thor. Oh, I don't remember that. It's very, I as he looks really handsome in that. And yeah. I, like and and for all that Maybe Vincent D'Onofrio, I do remember that, and I remember looking it up and being like, "Whoa, that's him!" <laughs> yeah, because he's got blonde hair in it. Um, oh, weird. Yeah, long blonde hair, um, like he has in this movie. Oh, I guess he does have that. In this um, movie, but it's still. <laughs> it's weird. No, because it's funny because when I remembered that he was in that movie, because I like I rewatched Adventures in Babysitting sometime in the back, and I, then I recognized him. Yeah, and I was like. Oh, because that's the other thing. Much as I like Vincent D'Onofrio and think he's a good actor, I don't often think of him as handsome in any of the roles that he does. Yeah, and he's in, not like in a Ven- sex pot, per se. And in Ventures and Babysitting, he is portrayed as this, like, handsome, buff Thor type, which is pretty funny. Um, and then he's in Ma- uh, Men in Black in 1997. And Classic. for some reason... I thought that was his breakout role, but it I wasn't as, at all. <laughs> I definitely um, did. He'd been around that was probably the first thing we saw him in. Besides, yeah, I mean, that's right. And that's right. We wouldn't have necessarily. Known. We didn't. Yeah, we wouldn't have paid attention. Or yeah. So he's in that in 1997. Then he's in this movie, 2001 to 2011. He's on Criminal Intent, where he mm-hmm. get. That's where we get the kind of true D'Onofrio. Yeah. Of it all. Um, and then most recently, and I bet he'll be great in this. He's in that. There's a new movie called Eyes of Tammy Faye where oh, he plays Jerry Falwell, and I bet he'd be good in that as well. Whoa. Yeah, the movie actually, that I'm kind of mildly interested in seeing. Um, now, the other two people that are sort of important to the story, and only just sort of, um, are the lab people that work with Catherine, a.k.a. J-Lo, and that's a character called Henry West and a character called Dr. Miriam Kent. Um, Both of these people, you have... So Henry West is played by Dylan Baker and Dr. Miriam Kent is played by Marianne Jean-Baptiste. You have seen both of these people in a thousand things. Yeah. Um, You would recognize them pretty much immediately. Yeah. Um, And that's mainly because... Both of them are very established kind of character actors. Yeah. Um, Although I will say, so Dylan Baker is much more in the character actor realm, but um, Marianne Jean-Baptiste, her main claim to fame that I knew her from is she played the character Vivian Johnson on Without a Trace. Hmm. Um, And she was very good in that. But I thought what was especially interesting about her as her big breakout role was in a movie called Secrets and Lies from 1996. And she was nominated for an Oscar for her work in that. And she's actually, and she was the first black British woman to ever be nominated for an Oscar. So oh, wow. uh, that's her claim to fame. 
Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah. So let's now turn to this movie that you did not care for very much, it seems like. (laughs) I did not. So opening scene. It's a screensaver. Yeah. It's it's a, the desert screensaver. Do you does yes. everybody have one? <laughs> Cuz yeah, that's what so the opening is. Picture a big red sand dune and then a blue sky and that's what we're looking at. Yep. And then you see kind of like something on the horizon. At first it maybe looks like I can never remember but you know that effect when it's a hot day and you like look at the road and there's those like little shimmers kind of like glistening yeah. off of it. Yeah. It, at first it looked like that and then it kind of closes up and you see that it's a person. Um, and then you get the big title card, The Cell. And we're just kind of a lot of the opening minutes of the movie are different shots of these red dunes and blue sky. Um, and then... You it kind of comes closer and closer, and there's a person riding a horse. Um, it's a black horse, and the person riding it is wearing this outfit made all of white. And it gets even closer and closer, and we see that it is J-Lo. Yeah. Um, and I apologize. I think even though my notes, like the outline keeps saying Catherine, but I think I'm just going to keep saying J-Lo. Yeah, um, she's J-Lo. Uh, so she dismounts from the horse and then the horse turns into a statue and I guess yeah, this is I was our, immediately like what's already happening <laughs> I, I well I th- what I was gonna say is I think that's meant to be our clue like right away as the audience like oh this is not whatever we're seeing is not reality yeah like um and I know you said you don't like starting movies not in reality <laughs> I don't I need a little bit more like grounded like set up like this is where we're at this is what we're doing like I I need a little bit more of an intro like I I'm not Fair great enough. at like craziness begins right away yeah well buckle so. up. <laughs> Yeah, this is a doozy. Buckle up, buttercup, because that's all this movie delivers. Um, So she, and then we see her, because this is also the credits, so like credits are going, we're seeing her on the desert, and as you said, like a lot of this is about showing J-Lo in very cool looks. Mm -hmm. Um, I think in this one she's wearing like this all white outfit that had some feathers that I enjoyed. Yeah. This is, it's got like a feathery collar that I enjoyed. Yeah. Um, very like, um, Vogue photo shoot looks Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. kind of edgy and intense. Totally. Um, and they would have done the photo shoot in that desert. So yeah, for sure. Um, and then she like comes upon this little boy in the middle of the desert. Yeah. Uh, and she starts talking to him. And I guess what she's trying to do is, like, coax him out. But, yeah. like, again, like, as you said, like, we don't really know what's happening, so it's it's kind of confusing, like, what she's trying to do. And then the kid says he can't leave because... And, and this is where... I had to turn this way up because I was like, what is this name? The kid says, like, Mokalok <laughs> really? is not letting... 
I think. I honestly don't know. I couldn't. I watched it many times and couldn't figure it out. Because <laughs> um, I thought, what I thought was happening here was that she, I because I knew this whole going into the mind thing. And I was like, okay, so she's gone into this kid's mind. He's talking about Makalok. Maybe what he means is Moloch, um, which is the name of a demon. Um like a biblical demon. And I was like, ah, oh, that's Whoa. what it is. It's like this kid believes he's possessed and that's what she's trying to do is like get him to know that that's not true. Whoa. But I don't think that isn't where this movie went. But that's what I thought might <laughs> wow, be Wow, you already, I was like, <laughs> what did he say? I don't know. Okay. Um, and then the kid, the kid's face, like specifically their, his eyes get real creepy mm-hmm. looking and that, like, um, freaks Catherine out and she presses, like, the pressure point, like, that webbing between your thumb and your index finger. And she presses that and then she wakes up in this lab. And then, so, why don't you, Amy, give a try to explain, like, what her outfit is and, like, what's going on in this lab when we come into it. Okay, well, (laughs) she wakes in this lab, and she is in what I would call mm, a red snake suit, I suppose. Like, it it is all super form-fitting. It looks like it's made of some type, like, rubbery skin. I don't know. Um, And she is suspended from the ceiling, so she's just, like, hanging there, like, with, like, hooks on this. Uh, whatchamacallit outfit she's wearing and Mm -hmm. she's just like suspended there and that's how she wakes up. You know what the suit kind of looks like to me? You know when you see anatomical drawings of like the human musculature? Yes. It looked looked like somebody, because it had like funny lines. Yes, it was like ribbed or like, I don't know what you would call that, but yes. Totally. So it may, maybe, I don't know if that's what they were going for, but that's what it looked like to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, she's hanging from the ceiling um, in the middle. So she is hanging so that she's, I guess, maybe let's say no more than four feet off the ground, horizontal Mm -hmm. hanging from the ceiling. No table beneath, as far as I could tell. Nope. Um, And I immediately was like, why? Why is that? I happening? I was very confused. Um and then right next to her is the little boy that she had just been talking to. Right. In the weird dream scene. Yeah. Um I was I was already confused if you wanted to know. I did not know what was happening. I mean, I was just like I don't know where this is going, but I guess we'll find out. Um what we do find out is that she is, she and, um, now I need to refresh my, she, Henry, and Miriam are all a team working on this experimental type of therapeutic technique mm-hmm. where you're going into the mind of someone who is comatose to try and like pull them out of the So coma. was that little boy, so I probably didn't understand this, that little boy was in a coma? And they were trying yes. to get him to wake up. Right. And I think, though, again... But in again, his mind, he's a vampire. So it seems like it's not good. 
No. And the other, so, and again, this is not made 100% clear in the movie. And by that, I mean, it's not even 48% clear. <laughs> um, but I think that the type of coma that this little boy is in is the same as the type of coma that Carl is in. Because there's like weird allusions to them having the same type of virus-induced schizophrenia. Oh, it what doesn't type it of doesn't coma matter is that abused <laughs> it's well we'll get to it when okay. there's a scene with the doctor okay. and i don't think it will explain anything but Great. it'll be interesting got um, it meanwhile we arrive at a barn in the middle of nowhere <laughs> and we kind of go underground from the barn and we see a man's body kind of passed this big, big tank of water. And in yeah. the tank of water is a woman. Um, and, yeah, we're not shown his face, I don't think, at this point. So we just see him kind of cross the screen. The main focus uh, of the shot is this tank of water. That's illuminated, so everything else is dark. We see a woman inside, and we see kind of like... I, I guess what it is is like a final death throw. There's like a little bit of a mm-hmm. kick that she does and then she the body goes still mm-hmm. and then we start then we cut back to the, like the exterior shot of the barn and then water starts pumping out um presumably from this tank that she's in. Mm-hmm. So we're like, okay, I don't know what that is. All right, moving on. Um then we return to the lab. And Catherine and Miriam are talking about this process of, like, trying... Because, like, basically, it's not clear to me how long they've been working with this kid, Edward, to try and get him out of his coma. Mm -hmm. Um, But his parents... I got the impression his parents have been footing the bill this whole time. Like, they're fancy rich people. I mean, that's got to be the only way that you could, like, be trying to get your kid out of a coma in this particular way. Way. Yeah, for sure. And and so basically the parents are like... I don't think like, insurance covers it is my point. <laughs> no, no. I don't think Blue Cross Blue Shield have this included in their package. No. Um, and so basically the parents have given like, you know, a timeline of like, we're only going to keep doing this for so long. It doesn't seem like it's working. And Catherine is really convinced that rather than her going into... Edward's troubled mind that the better thing to do would be to reverse the process and have Edward come into her mind and I think the I think what she says here is because like her mind would feel safe mm-hmm. and then he could start rebuilding certain kinds of like connections to reality I think mm-hmm. that's what she's talking about. Mm-hmm. But I'm also like, so you're so sure that you're 100% mentally healthy <laughs> that you, you will allow someone else to come into your mind to use it as a template to rebuild their whole personality. Yeah, wow, that's pretty, like, lady. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a big, that's true. I didn't quite follow that line of thought, but that is, that's a big thing to say. Like, and it's quite presumptuous. Um, right. 
Yeah. I, I was like, okay. But then like if what someone I also... was like, if you would like to see the picture of mental health, please enter my brain. Like... Indeed. <laughs> yeah. And, but what I did like is that then Miriam counters, not with that, which I think is maybe where I would go. Um, she's like, well, I guess that could work. But the problem is, is that Edward can't consent to hmm. you doing that. Um, which I thought was like, wow, year 2000. Yeah, like, okay. Talk about What consent. are you? <laughs> Wowie, zowie. You know, like, it just seemed so wild. But basically, because yeah. Miriam's saying, like, he's in a coma, and and even the thing that you're reaching, like, even if you were to go into his mind first and say, hey, I want to reverse this process and bring you into my mind, mm-hmm. that's not really consent. Yeah. You know, like, because he's so mentally compromised that, like, basically we can't ask him, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I was like, wow, interesting. And I'm like, this could be an interesting movie, but I guess we're not doing that. We didn't so go let's that direction. <laughs> um, so then we're brought back to the world of serial killer Carl. We're in okay, a basement. Okay, and just really quick, like at this point, I had no clue what the correlation between, and I know we haven't totally yes. like gotten there, but I was very confused as to the correlation of these two stories. Right. Um, there isn't one. Got it. <laughs> as yet. Cool. As yet. I know as yet there happening. isn't, but even like when it does connect, I still was like, how did this connect? Yeah. Yeah. So we're in a basement. Um, the man who we saw moments ago walking through this tank room is now um, lifting the dead woman out of a bath that to me I sort looked of, like a this- milk bath. Yeah, I sort of thought she was an alien. I like I had a minute where I was like, well, this is sci-fi, so is this an alien? Like is that was that crazy because she looked like totally weird like she did look strange, but I think that's just because she had been drowned in that very particular way and then yeah. and then later we're told that she's that bath I don't know why it looked like a milk bath, but it was all bleach oh, to like shit. clean off all evidence. Oh yikes! Okay, that's dark. I thought she looked like an alien, but you yeah. Know, so I'm then, sure, you don't some, look your best after a bleach bath. So damn. Probably not. No. Um. So then she's like, pull. You we see this man like pull her out of the bath, put her onto a metal slab, and then he like rinses her off again. Uh-huh. Um. And then yeah, this was not fun. The hanging from the ceiling. I part. hated this. I couldn't watch it. Um, it was real bad because, like, didn't like it. Vincent why D'Onofrio, and why and why? Vincent D'Onofrio has like prosthetics added to his back that make it look like he's got hooks through his skin, or like mm-hmm. I should not hooks. Well, he, like, well he's got like um, uh, uh, what, what, like, like carabiners. Shower, was, like I mean, it's not. Really I was going to say like O rings like, or yes. like shower curtain. Yes, <laughs> things. something like that. Um, we don't know a lot about tool language circular um, rings that were on his back yeah. that were implanted so he they had like, like yeah they, he easily had at least 10 through like up up and down his back and then he had i think some on the backs of his legs Ugh, i hated um, the leg part all of it was bad i didn't like seeing how it looked like his skin was pulling Ugh, and no, I hated this part. 
as well, he's like masturbating over this dead woman's body. Right, because that's like I, I, a thing. Right, that is, that is thi- what he was doing, right? I mean, I think that like that hanging thing and like that skin thing is a is is like a kink. I really have no yes, idea. For so sure, I think that's yeah. what all that was. So I'm assuming yeah. that's. What I just was assumed happening. he was masturbating because what it looked. like... I stopped watching. Like this part, I was like, I can't look at that because it's disturbing me. So yeah, but I yeah. assume what because what it looked like is like she was on the table, he was hanging over her, mm-hmm. maybe let's say with like three feet of space between. Ick. Um, and then. There were sounds playing that I think were... Because he also was recording them in the tank. So I think he was playing recordings of her screaming for help. Oh, gross. And was masturbating. Like He needs yeah. help. It's not good. It's not good. Uh, yeah. Whatever was happening wasn't pleasant. Um, then, of course, the FBI finds her body it's been ditched under a bridge and this is where we are introduced to Vince Vaughn's character Peter he is like and the also, head of this investigation and also the actor from Breaking Bad who plays Hank oh is that the older guy yeah and then there's also the guy who plays the dad on Medium he's oh, really? one of the FBI guys he's Vince Vaughn's partner in this Oh, um, I don't watch that show Medium, but and there was I the, recognized him immediately. I was like, "That's the dad from Medium." <laughs> and then the kid who later, the one who plays like young Carl, I believe he uh, was on. He played a kid on Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> oh wow! This was just a star-studded cast really from is. top to bottom. Um, so they should have done a better job because it really is not the <laughs> actor's fault. No, I mean there isn't much story to act with, so I don't. You know, um, so they find the woman, Peter says, get going on like the coroner's report. Mm -hmm. Um, meanwhile, and I think this is maybe the first time we actually, oh no, I think we see Carl's face in the previous scene, but so now we fully see Carl and he's stalking a new victim, Mm -hmm. um, like in a park or somewhere. And then he has, he's like sitting in his truck watching this woman and then he has, like, an episode is all I can say. I don't mm-hmm. totally get what's going on. And then he takes a pill, and then everything's fine. And this is going to be important for later. Um, the pill is going to be important for later? This episode and oh. pill-taking thing okay. is going to be important for later. So then um, the, we cut to back to the FBI and it's revealed that in the analysis of this woman's body, they found a dog hair. Mm-hmm. And what's important about this dog hair, Amy? Because this is like a big break in the case. Yeah, I think I maybe didn't catch this part, but I knew the dog hair part. But um, it, they realize that it belongs to an albino dog. And actually, right. I have questions about that in terms of what this dog actually being albino the dog actor but um (laughs) (laughs) that is their big clue um and we do see in that previous scene of the creepiness and vincent d'onofrio we see his white it's like a white husky dog yeah um and it has blue eyes and so i am not convinced that's an albino dog but whatever no i don't i don't think the act the dog actor 
I don't think that was an albino, an albino Don't dog. albino animals have red eyes? Anyway, whatever. I thought so. Because yeah. that's like when you get like a white rabbit. Yeah, um, and it has red eyes. Yeah. That's albino. I'm anyway. just going to Google albino dog to see. Yeah, I'm not sure if even is it a thing. What happens. Like, anyway. Uh, it appears to be a thing. And intriguingly, what it looks like is that when it comes to albino dogs, they have blue eyes okay well then this is accurate because this dog has yeah so maybe eyes. that dog actor is an albino possibly or they could have did he would you think they would have put a contact or they could have color corrected a lot of no i actually am now seeing a picture of a white husky um it's an al- white huskies are considered albino but they don't always all Didn't have blue eyes because sometimes they have they still have the the brown and the blue Right. Well, anyway, Anyways, this, this dog is an albino, so that was their big clue. And right. we saw that dog in, in previous the, sh- scenes. the shot with Vincent D'Onofrio, and it was barking and la-di-da. I think even when we were going to the barn, we saw it because it was yeah. like a, a truck pulling into the barn, and there was a dog. And I the liked the dog right away. Us. You had different feelings about not. the dog. I knew that dog was Bad news from day one because it's the dog like wasn't happy. bad news. The dog was trained. Hey everybody, it's not the dog's fault. <laughs> Hashtag not all dogs. Hashtag not all dogs. <laughs> Hashtag it's the owner's fault. Um, so, the, but I do. I will say. So the next scene is this parking garage, and we see a woman like parking garages. Guys also don't go into parking garages alone at no. night. Um, no. And never one that's never that's got in a basement, like a subterranean never. parking garage. And never. never have your car be like alone by itself. <laughs> like, no. Um, anyway, so she goes into there. She's like kind of looking around like she's nervous or she's heard something or whatever. And nothing happens. She gets in her car. There's nobody in the back seat, which is like what I thought was going to happen. Um, and she's, something even worse. Happens. Something way worse happens. But. Um, what ha- what this guy? I mean, brilliant. I will say on the part of Vincent it was D'Onofrio's a very schizophrenia, schizophrenia yeah. brain, brilliant. Um, so she gets in her car and she like starts to back up just a touch, and she I don't know if the the dog starts crying, but she hears something yeah. and she looks in her rearview mirror mirror and it looks like she's hit a dog. So she yes. like gets out of her car and it's this white dog. So we know right away like this is not going to be good. Um, the dog is pretending like it's hurt. So she's like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. And I can't right. remember, like, she see, she notices something where, like, she wouldn't have actually hit the dog. So she realizes, like, she couldn't have hit it. And as yeah. she's realizing that it was, like, a brick or something put under her tires, I don't know. Um, and as she's realizing that, she gets attacked and uh, yeah. Carl gets her. Yeah. No, it was an ingenious so good. way. It's way better um, than like a stranger with candy or like all the yeah, other all types the of ways. things that people say happen. Yeah. Um, no, and I knew immediately because as I told you in my text, this dog is a dog equivalent of a child of the corn. It was but like... I don't think... But again... I did not like looking at it. I didn't... <laughs> 
get a good but vibe dog, off of this dog. Yeah, but the dog, here's the, here, here's the thing. I've seen, there's an episode of Criminal Minds where a crazy... Of course there is. <laughs> where a crazy man gets his son to lure people to their house by being, oh, a, by sure. being a kid and being like, yeah. I'm yeah. lost. And then, like, brings the people to his dad. You know, they get murdered, whatever. So I wouldn't blame the kid in that situation. Like, the kid doesn't know he's being taught. So the dog, same thing, is being taught. And P.S., his owner is really scary and maybe beats him. And is like, if you don't pretend to be hurt behind this car, I'm going to beat you. I don't know. Yeah. No, I understand. But this dog creeped me out. This wasn't like a... I. This dog actor is very talented. This dog actor was, is great. I just was like, I don't like this. Um, so that is transpiring. Then yeah. um, while they're at the house of the latest abducted woman, mm-hmm. uh, Peter's partner, who I thought this was really funny, the name of this character is Gordon Ramsay. I, did they say that out loud? I'm, I don't think so, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I was just like, oh, where's That's weird. kitchen, what, whatever. Well, I don't think Gordon Ramsay was shit. famous yet. No, he wasn't. That's, That's why funny. I think it's funny. Um, so he gets a call that says, between the dog hair and then I think one other piece of evidence, which I can't even remember, they've identified who this guy is. And that's what That's I said pretty quick. No, that's what I said on up top. Like the crime part of this is very unsatisfying. Yeah. Because it's literally like one dog hair, and then I think it was something about maybe the truck that he drove. Yeah, like you're right. Because these... in the very next scene, they're like at his house, like with SWAT. Yes. Yeah, yes. you're right. And I was just like, I mean, and I know that the point. I know that that's a very quick connection because the point of this movie is not about catching Carl the yeah. point is the getting into Fixing his mind him. yeah so I know that so that's what like these first I think this is maybe the first 30 minutes of movie is very like frenetic like trying to get to yeah. the main point of the story yeah um so then we arrive at Carl's home as you said SWAT has descended everyone's like assembling around his house meanwhile Carl is inside he's in the tub um and what I thought was funny about this shot where he's in the tub is like Vincent D'Onofrio is so tall <laughs> that like he didn't fit in that tub how tall is he does it say like it probably says um, in, oh wait hold on I was looking at I was just looking at his wikipedia and it'll probably say he yeah. is oh why does it not say here? I mean, IMDb will say it, I think. It will say it somewhere on here usually. Anyway, whatever. But so I didn't realize he was tall. He is he is like very tall. Oh, that's funny. Um, let me see. I think usually IMDb tells Usually Wikipedia how tall does too. That's weird. A person is. Oh, come on, just tell me about this guy. Um, let's just see. How tall is Vincent? <laughs> there we go. Uh, six four. Oh wow, that is really tall. Yeah. So I mean, it's funny because like also, like as people are getting bigger, six four isn't as big as it once was. That's pretty tall um, though. Because... But it's still a very tall man. Yeah. Um, it's fully well. It's like eleven inches. <laughs> taller than me yeah so. like six feet um, there's like a big difference between six feet and six four I think yeah even though yeah 
even though it's only four inches and it will always only be four inches, there's a very different... Yeah, like six feet is just kind of like most, like that's almost just average male height in many places. Yeah, although um, I have heard a thing where it says if somebody said, like for men, <laughs> there's, if somebody says they're six feet, they're 5'11". If they say well, they're sure. six yeah, one, yeah. they're actually six feet. Six feet, yeah. Um, but anyway, in this tub, I was like laughing. I was like, he's too big for that tub. Like his <laughs> legs are like hanging out in a funny way. Um, but while he's in the tub, he starts having another one of these episodes that mm-hmm. uh, they, ne- I don't know what these episodes are. Maybe they're like little seizures. I don't know. Um, but now the problem is, is that the pill bottle that he has kind of always in reach, it's empty. Uh-oh. And so then it shows him kind of like um, lurching around the house looking for more pills. And in the meantime, while that's all transpiring outside the house, the FBI is like p- making a plan for how they're going to like bust into his home. Mm-hmm. They do that. And what do they find once they've swarmed his house? They find him. Wait. Wait. They, oh, he's on the floor, and the new victim isn't there. Right. So he, they find him, like, passed out face first. So you see those uh, rings oh, right. on him, and they're all, like, question mark? Like, don't know what to do. Um, but, yes, then the house is, cl- like, searched. Um, the victim, his latest victim, is not there. Mm-hmm. Um, they find... A bunch of extremely creepy dolls in the basement, as you would expect. Um, and then as well, there's like a Vince Vaughn sees like a unique symbol. There's like, so what we know as the audience is that this basement is where he did that cleaning process okay. of the body. Yeah. Um, they don't know that. The FBI doesn't know that yet. Because you yeah. see like the shower heads where he had cleaned her off and all this stuff. Um so he finds this table that is where she, the previous victim had been lying. And he sees a symbol on it and he's like, okay, fine. And immediately I was like, oh, that symbol is going to be a clue. Gross. <laughs> um, Gross. I was Super lame. I, already at this point uh, I was like, I don't know what the fuck is happening. So. Well, because again, like for the crime bit of this, I was like, what? This is so obvious. Like this is going to be a clue. Now, um... Passed out Carl is put into an ambulance, and I think Peter says something like, I only want this one particular doctor to look at him. Like, And I think the implication is, like, we want to make sure he's not faking or something. You know, I don't mm-hmm. totally get it. But so then we get to the hospital, and uh, the do- this doctor that Vince Vaughn has identified is talking to, the t- like, the team um, and this mm-hmm. is when we learn about this special type of schizophrenia that according, and this is where it's different from what I just learned today about schizophrenia. Yeah. This doctor explains that this type of schizophrenia is like a virus, not that it might be the result of a virus or a viral infection, but that it is like a virus. And I was like, I don't, that makes no sense. Yeah. I don't like as if someone could pass it to somebody else. Um, <laughs> God, that would, and then they should stay away from him if that is the I case. Know. And then, and this is where the doctor says. So basically, um, 
the schizophrenia, let's say, lies dormant in somebody's mind and then can be activated. Um, and then he says the thing that is the most far out of all, which is that it's often activated in the presence of water. And that's not explained at all. Like why no, that's like, water that's would like, do it. That's like being like, um, we're talking about electricity here and like water's a conductor. Like what are we talking about? <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I think that's just kind of shoehorned in there because this water imagery is important to like we've already seen he puts the ladies in the tanks like you know so because that's part um, of his like quote-unquote fetish we're like let's just make that part of the disease as well (laughs) right which I'm like dude it can just be that he has an obsession with water you don't have to make it be that like his schizophrenia is specifically tied to some (laughs) sort of thing to do with water like I I don't know um but then the doctor also says like you know this particular weird type of schizophrenia may never get activated. But, like, what's weird is it seems... I could, this is why I couldn't... I mean, there are a lot of reasons why I couldn't, but this I really couldn't understand. <laughs> so, like, the way the doctor was talking was a bit like... Whatever he was... Whatever was happening with Carl before he went into his coma was not schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. And then... The coma was this versions of schizophrenia, like that's how it manifested, is it just puts mm-hmm. you into this coma. So you're mm-hmm. in a schizophrenic coma. Yikes, that sounds horrible. And then again, as well, um, I think that is supposedly the type of coma that that little boy was in as well. Mm-hmm. Not totally sure, but I think yeah. that's the case. So... Basically, what the doctor says is, like, this particular condition, condition, once someone goes into the coma, they're never coming out. That's how this works. Yes. And, as, yeah. So, so, boy, oh, boy, this fake version of schizophrenia sounds bad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to get that. I'm going to stay I mean, away from water. Actual schizophrenia sounds like a condition I don't want. But, like, yeah. um, this but one this is, one. like sounds really off the rails yeah um really subpar schizophrenia (laughs) one star um do not recommend do not uh worst schizophrenia ever (laughs) uh so of course as per usual fbi people are not best pleased to hear that their uh serial killer whom they've caught is now comatose and cannot tell them where his last victim is has come from and he yells at the doctor like don't you know we only have 40 hours before this latest victim is dead give us is there nothing you can do kind of like and then as is often the case we have a shot of this doctor's face having a look of like maybe there is something i can (laughs) just have an idea and then we cut to the this lab where j-lo and company work Um, and the, they're having a meeting with the FBI to talk about whether or not they're going to, to go into Carl's mind. And there's some kind of back and forth. JLo in particular is like, you know, it takes months to build up a rapport 
mm-hmm. with a person in their mind and that's a crazy know, thing to say okay and you're saying I need to like do this basically in one day mm-hmm. or something um and he's like yeah but just figure it out yes <laughs> uh but in the end she and the rest of the team decide that they're going to give it a try uh so then we go back to the lab. Everything starts getting set up so that J-Lo can go into Carl's mind and try and figure out what is going on and where the last victim might be. Um, and this is where we get a little bit of kind of like sci-fi pablum babble. A little babble, bit of sci-fi. Um, where like Henry explains vaguely like what this technology is. And we and see, I didn't understand it, and um, I wasn't paying attention. It doesn't. It really doesn't matter. Um, what we what more drew my attention in this was that um, so they're put into they're being put into these suits and then they're hanging, but then they also get that weird cloth put over their face. Yeah, I for, I didn't like that. And it was like a computer chip cloth. Like okay, I didn't, I was clearly, just like, what is a this computer chip cloth? Well, because it had picture like yeah, on no, the front I know. of it. I think you're right, but I don't. I like, and you know what? That's what's sort of funny about like a movie like this because they they make it like seem like 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 don't care, but don't worry about this. Like this is just what we're doing. Um, I didn't think twice about that. I was like, yeah. Then they put the cloth. Got it. Got it. I had to rewind. I was like. What? <laughs> thing <laughs> okay maybe it didn't work maybe it just worked on me because i was like i don't fucking know what's happening so who cares uh it, it doesn't matter but like it's part of the whole thing um and we don't learn until the very end of the movie that in addition to these suits and whatever um both parties have to be super drugged up yeah as well uh which seems like a like you gotta um and they never so, mention anything about like anyone having any like, memory problems coming out of, like, for, for J-Lo anyway, like, she's going in to learn stuff. What if she comes out and, like, forgets it? Well, there, Miriam does, in various scenes, she's like, are you sleeping? Like, so there does seem to be some effects on mm. J-Lo as mm-hmm. well, but no, they don't really discuss yeah. that either. Yeah. Um, so all of this is set up, and then, um... We start seeing Catherine emerge into Carl's mind palace. And the way that's happening is we like come, I can't, I can't remember if it's coming up through or down like from above, but we're at a river baptism of some persuasion. And um, then she wakes up in a dungeon, um, mm. like face down on the ground in a dungeon. Mm-hmm. And she starts kind of walking through and then she sees a small little boy mm-hmm. running up a staircase. We, we very quickly learn that this is like young Carl. Mm-hmm. This is a version of him. Um, and she follows him up this weird staircase into a room where there's a horse yeah. and a bunch of ticking clocks. Yeah. And Catherine tries to talk to young Carl 
he's too afraid, um, but he stays in the room with her. And I think, yeah, he's like very, it's, it's pretty obvious that he's afraid of the ticking clocks. Like something right. is, something about that is ominous to him, but she, he can't, I don't think he ever speaks to her. No, I don't think he says any words out loud anyway. Until maybe the, oh, maybe it's the very end he does. But, so at this point he definitely doesn't. He, but you can tell that he's afraid of this ticking clock thing. And she keeps saying like, what's, like, what's going on? Like, yeah. And, um, then when the time runs out, so like all the ticking stops Mm -hmm. and all of a sudden, I don't even know how I would describe these blades. Yeah. Is it? Blades, blades like come blades fall from the ceiling and chop the horse into like 10 pieces yes and but then it turns into like slides yeah of horse like um but like was that just they didn't have a very good effect or like they wanted I thought that to effect look... was awesome oh it didn't because, look like a real no. horse anymore because like it wasn't like real bloody like it that no that there was... was no blood at all yeah um, no, it looks like when you, like, look at a sample under a microscope. Right. That's what I think it was supposed to look like. Is And, because you do do that, like, you might take different slices of the same thing and examine, because, like, at different points, there might be different stuff to see. So that's what it reminded me of, was, like, cut the horse into these chunks, and then they look like these microscopic microscopic or like for the purpose of microscopic um examination but you wouldn't use a microscope because it's a horse like it's big um but the coolest thing I thought about this is when it showed the horse's heart still beating in the slide oh yeah yeah you liked that you said yeah I thought it was a cool you like like, that and you don't like the dog (laughs) in this movie I've got questions uh, maybe liked is too strong a word. I thought yeah, it was I a mean, cool effect. Okay, fair. Um, so that, so I don't know, I didn't find that scary, but I guess it is grotesque. And that's yes. the point. Yes, Um, so, but it scares young Carl. So he runs out of the room and, uh, J-Lo follows him and then they're in a different room, which I would say my impression was that this was like a stylized version of the tank basement under the barn because it had different tanks in it mm-hmm. and then also like display cases mm-hmm. of previous victims. Mm. This was the very Nine Inch Nails music video part of this um, because it had these different victims like uh, kind of posed in various ways that were also grotesque, like grotesque carnival style. Almost. I, I, it's hard for me to explain, but like take a goth carnival. Ooh, goth carnival sounds great, actually. I don't know. You you just got to really have a lot of deodorant with that group. <laughs> um, but like a goth carnival theme, but then grotesque. Yeah. Is how I would describe a lot of what's happening in this particular room. Because then this person shows up and you'll see from the outline, I could, I at no point could I tell 
if this was a man or a woman because it's like a bodybuilder body and I would say kind of like a male bodybuilder looking body with just little tiny bathing suit bottom, no top, but then mm-hmm. the top had breasts, I think, mm-hmm. um, but like breasts with no nipples and then like long blonde hair and I think if I were to characterize what I think this thing was, is it was like the manifestation of adult Carl's mind being like, get the fuck out of here. Mm-hmm. Because it picked up J-Lo and like threw her against a wall. Yikes. And, and but then carried her kind of like passed out body into this crazy ass throne room. And then that had a very, like, Egyptian feel to me, that Mm -hmm. throne room. Um, Because it's, like, this big, big open room. And then a super made-up Vincent D'Onofrio was sitting at, like, kind of the top of some stairs and a throne. I think in this one he's shirtless, but he's got, like, um, like... Yeah, Egyptian pharaoh skirt on, like long skirt uh, with fancy belt and shirtless and then like intense face makeup. And then most kind of wild is like those rings on his back in this place are connected to these big like fabric wings that connect to the wall and then as Vincent D'Onofrio descends the staircase the fabric kind of moves with him I mean it looked super cool I'm not gonna lie like it looked like super cool in a very off-putting way but it looked very visually interesting Mm -hmm. um and then he comes up to J-Lo who has kind of like recovered and he's like where do you come from (laughs) um and at this point, um, this is when she presses that little button in her hand to She's pull like, her out. She's like, I'm scared of this guy. Fuck yeah. this. Yeah, well. Fair. Fair. I would yeah. be so terrified. I'd have been gone long before that, but like. Um, so then she wakes up in the lab. She's really disturbed about all the various imagery she has seen. Um, and meanwhile... The tech kind of monitoring guy, Henry, is like, that was really close. She almost went too far into Carl's mind. And Peter, the FBI agent, is like, what do you mean she went too far? And this is when we get the inception situation happening, which is that if you go too far into someone else's mind, you will forget that you're in someone's mind and... So, like, basically, like, she could go too deep into his mind palace and never be able to come out. That's dumb. And that's <laughs> not good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it isn't a great setup, uh, but, you know. Um, this, I think this is also an appropriate time to say that when, when they came back to the lab and she's, like, kind of waking up from this first experience, this is when I was, like... I thought they hung from the ceiling 
because this was like virtual reality and she would be moving around. And so mm-hmm. this is a way to allow her to move mm-hmm. all over the place. But this is when I realized that's not what's happening. They just hang there. And I was like, I don't get oh, that. That's not as fun as I thought was no. happen. Like if they floated um, around in that room, that would be one thing. Yeah, I just, I was like, oh, okay, well, but I think what it really is more is like there's, it, this is like a visual echo to the kind of hanging that Carl does yeah. for kicks. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so she comes out, she's super disturbed, she's like, I don't want to go back in there. Um, and I would, and if I were around, I'd be like, I agree with you, J-Lo, don't go back in there. But of course, Peter the one track mind FBI agent is like, you gotta go back in there. Like, we need to find this information out. And, and we don't so, care about your well being, so do it. Uh, yeah. Um, but like he convinces her because they have like a heart to heart where he explains like why he's doing what he's doing. Um and I mean that's a really graphic description of child sex abuse that happens there. Um, and then there's also this, like, as he's talking, is this the part? Yeah. So as he's talking to Catherine to try and convince her to go back in and, like, telling about this terrible, like, crime investigation he was involved in, um, he says, like, basically, like, people like that, which is to say people like Carl, um, are just truly disgusting and terrible and have no kind of redeeming qualities mm-hmm. and Catherine is like I'm not so sure like because you know she's a social worker therapist type so she's like no one is without the possibility mm-hmm. of recovery or redemption and I'm not really sure where I fall on that um but his answer is well I know that there are many people out in the world who've experienced more trauma and childhood abuse than this particular individual or as much as and who would never do the things that he's doing um and there's a look on his face and I was like so is this character saying that he was abused as a child and he never did these things is that like a backstory that we're missing here um and there's no answer to that that never gets addressed (laughs) great I I got a real vibe. I was like, I think Vince Vaughn's character in this is implying that he was really treated very badly as a child and his response was to be involved in law enforcement. I Um, mean, a lot of times they do that in like crime movies or crime procedurals. They like to make uh, the detective's backstories like very traumatic. Right. And I think that's probably true. And I also 100% know it's true that, it, that yes, there are, you know, unfortunately, thousands and thousands of people who've been abused as children, and terribly so, um, who don't become serial killers. So it's not like an excuse, like, ah, you know, like... Um, oh, yeah. Oh, my... it's definitely not an excuse. I mean, in this movie, it, like, the Carl's excuse is... is you know profound abuse and stuff but yeah no it's definitely if if every child in this world that had been abused when in whatever type of way neglect like physical abuse sexual all of it like uh 
if they all became serial killers, we'd all be dead. Like, we'd yeah. all either be dead yeah. or we'd yeah. be serial killers. You know, like, there's... Right, right. Um, but no, I don't, I don't read this as like, oh, this is ambiguous whether or not he's good or bad. I'm like, no. He's bad. He sucks. Yeah. Um, uh, I appreciate that... No, he kidnaps, that, tortures, and murders right. people. Yeah. For primarily sexual gratification. Yeah. Um... Like, I can feel empathy, and I do, for what we're shown that he was exposed to as a child, but being empathetic doesn't mean that you're, like, then I give you a pass on everything else you ever did. Of course, yeah. um, So that, but nonetheless, Catherine, in the context of this conversation, is like, well, when I was in Carl's mind, I noticed that there was, like, this kid version of him and the adult version of him, and I think that if I try and access the kid, I might be able to have some success. So Mm -hmm. she ultimately tries, she decides she's going to try again. So we go back into the lab, and then we go back into Carl's mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And here is an interesting one, and I didn't, Again, sometimes this movie does things, and I'm like, but why are you doing this? Like, in this case, <laughs> the whole movie. She, she doesn't realize she's gotten into his mind yet, and so then there's, like, the opening scene in his mind is actually in the lab, and it's mm. a, there's, like, that um, kind of, like, Alice in Wonderlandy scene where she, like, walks to the corner of the room, and she gets real small. Oh, I don't remember that. It doesn't really matter, but, like... <laughs> What's more important is, so then she kind of, this is, this was one of the images that I remembered, like maybe from a trailer or like a poster, like back in when it was being promoted in Mm -hmm. 2000. Um, That's the image where she's in that glass box and she's all like kind of tucked up or like Mm. has her knees to her chest Mm. thing. Um, So she finds herself in this glass box uh, which is mirroring the tank, I assume, mm-hmm. where he kills these people. And then she, like, breaks out of it. And this is this was, I think, visually one of the things I thought was the coolest, is, like, she does that... She's in that red dress, and it's, like, a toga, and then she's slowly falling through the air, and, like, the, the cloth is, like, kind of billowing around her. Mm-hmm. You seem like you don't remember this part. Yeah, I do. I, like, have an image of it in my head, but I, you know, don't ask me if I remember parts because <laughs> the, I know. the answer is usually, well, not really. But anyway, so she does this very long, slow fall, slow fall, slow fall, down, 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 and then she comes back into contact with young Carl, and mm-hmm. I can't remember if she says something to him I think maybe she does. Mm -hmm. Um, But basically, she kind of says, like, I'm here to help you. Like, and then she ends up following him to his childhood home. Mm -hmm. And um, that's when she sees all of these kind of examples of abuse that he suffered. um, That is both, well, not both. It's like, the clips that we see are like, Physical abuse, sexual abuse, and emotional abuse, mm-hmm. I would say. Um, and uh, so all very tough. 
Yeah. Um, and she, because he, because little Carl, she comes into the house with him and he interacts with her and then he hears his dad come home mm-hmm. and he puts her into In the closet. closet. Right. And that's how she like experiences these various scenes right. of abuse. Um, so once that's over, oh, then, so we see him as a child. Then it like jumps to, she like walks out of the closet into this scene that I said, like, is like the REM video where it's like Mm -hmm. just a empty room with a square window and like one light bulb hanging from the ceiling. And we see Carl bathing his first victim. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is when, hold on, is this the part? Um, yeah, this is when I was like, Vincent D'Onofrio's skinny. Because <laughs> 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 uh, he's shirtless in this. And, I mean, it's, I don't think, I mean, maybe now he's, I would describe him as overweight, but I never would have before. He was just yeah. like a big guy but like in this he looked he wasn't like skinny for him I feel like yeah he was never like shredded or like right super right yeah but I was just like oh he's skinny and then I also was having this thought of like boy is JLo's outfit such a like transition between the 90s and 2000s outfit because it was like a camisole oh the camisole and like pedal pushers and stuff, mm. and I was like, oh, man. Um, but anyway, so she starts talking to him, and he asks her, like, why she's there, and she says that she's here to help, and he's like, I don't believe that. Um, but we, this is where we learn as much as we'll ever learn about kind of the the origin of all of this. And so apparently... Like, because remember when she first went into his mind the first time she came through that river baptism thing? He tells her that in the context of that baptism, which his father forced him to do, um, he had a seizure while he was in the water. And And that's what caused his schizophrenia? I guess. Or that's what, maybe what that was is that caused whatever these weird episodes he had then for the Mm. rest of his life. Um, maybe, maybe they're like meant to be panic attacks. I don't know. Um, and, and yes, and that sets the tone for all subsequent things. But the thing is, is I'm like, so it doesn't matter if the schizophrenia is connected to water. His trauma is connected to water. You don't need both reasons. Like, uh, anyway, um, So Catherine is like, honestly, really and truly, I legitimately want to help you, but also I want to know where your last victim is. Like, I want to save her. And Carl's like, nah, I'm not doing that. And then, like, a new version of scary Carl, I mean, scarier than actual Carl, who's already scary, (laughs) um, comes into the room, and he's got these weird, like, horns coming down. I hate over this. his face. Yeah. It, I didn't like it either. Um, but he he manages to kind of like overwhelm J Lo, and he puts a collar on her. Yeah. Um, and I remembered 
at that time I was like, oh, because in real life, Carl puts a collar on his victims. That was like one of his signatures. Um, mm. So I was like, oh, okay. So, okay. This is like art imitating life, imitating art. Got it. Got it. So as soon as Carl puts the collar on JLo in his mind, back in the lab, everything starts going haywire. Like all the machines are like beeping. Um, and, uh, Vince Vaughn is like standing to the side while Henry, the lab tech is like, oh shit, this is bad. Um, because she has gone into his mind and is losing herself. She's doing the exact thing that we said shouldn't be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, and Henry can't get her back. And ba- and then he doubles down on the inception of it all. And he says that now, because she has forgot where reality is, if she, if he hurts her in his mind, then she will be hurt in real life. So she can die in his mind and she will die in real life. Similar to like, if you die in a dream, you die in real life. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's stupid. I don't think that's actually true. I don't think that is true because I feel like I've definitely died in my dreams not that I've seen my death, but I feel like the, it was yeah. implied that I died. Yeah. Um, so Peter then decides that he's going to go in to Carl's mind as well and get her out. So he well, puts crazy. on a suit and then we get into Carl's mind. Um, this had a very kind of similar to Tron, like... Peter entering into his mind is like going through this tunnel of like crazy lights and like psychedelic, <laughs> like um, kind of mandala images. Like, mm. but it's all going through a tunnel and like kaleidoscopy and stuff. Um, and then this is where he comes in, not in the dungeon, but he's in that like weird field where it's those three ladies mm-hmm. sitting on the ground. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they say something weird and I'm like I don't know what this is um I don't know what any of this was apparently that was based on a painting I remember seeing that in my research but I've never seen the painting so it didn't mean anything this to movie me. is crazy um, they're like let's do it based on some let's do some music videos let's do some paintings let's do a couple of different movies we'll splice them all together like yeah too much yeah the source material was wild yeah um So then young Carl shows up and leads Peter to where Catherine is. And now we find Catherine in a very different look from anything we've seen before. Um, She's got the big collar on. She's chained to a bed. Um, I'm trying to think how I might describe... Oh yeah, this is the picture that I think as well as often on like the descriptions of this movie where she's got the mask on her face that's like the golden yeah mask yeah um and she's got weird kind of like um I I would almost say pancake makeup cuz she's made to look very pale mm-hmm. um and and the lighting is like so she looks kind of yellow almost um in skin tone and then she's got like a very severe ponytail with like red tips at the bottom of the ponytail Mm -hmm. um and she's complete so she's become like this 
evil uh, something. Evil, but she she's like a she's now an extension of Carl. Like yeah. she's not herself. And Carl basically um uses her to distract Peter, so she tries to like seduce him so that nothing will get disrupted in this kind of world of Carl's creation. Um mm. that doesn't totally work. So then Carl shows up and this again had a this in particular he looked a lot like something that belonged in Alice in Wonderland I would say like this he doesn't look like an Egyptian king anymore now he looks like an Alice in Wonderland like the consort of the queen of hearts kind of guy um and he starts torturing Peter um in a very disgusting way that I didn't like um like pulling his innards out. Yeah, I did not like that. Yeah. Um, and Carl this is another was loving one of those parts it. Where it's like, I'm not watching this. Yeah. Carl was loving it. Catherine, who is under his control, is loving it. I think they're like giggling. Um, but then Peter manages somehow to like keep his wits about him and he starts shouting. <laughs> I did like this. He starts shouting at Carl. He's like, fuck you. There. <laughs> um, but then he also starts shouting at Catherine. He's like um, talking about her life, like memories from her childhood mm-hmm. to try and bring her out of whatever spell she's under. And so I, he talks about this. That. I assume he has like a file on her oh, or something. That seems because he talks about her dead brother. That seems um, like he shouldn't have that file. I don't know, um, but it does work. He talks about mm-hmm. like this trauma from her childhood, and th- and then that makes her realize what's going on. Mm-hmm. So then she comes up behind Carl while Carl is still torturing Peter, and she stabs him through the back, and it's a whole big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, they manage to escape with young Carl, who leads them to a new room where there's an even there's a huge big water tank with some woman inside. Um, this is like hell. This is like a hellscape. Yeah, it's it's not a pretty picture. Um, so Catherine is busy trying to talk to young Carl. Peter, on the other hand, is like looking at this tank. And then he sees the symbol on the tank that is the same symbol he saw on that equipment in Carl's house in the real world. And he's like, this is it. This is the connecting tissue. And I was like, how? How is that a connection? I don't understand. So as soon as he gets this, he's like, we got to get out of um, Carl's mind. I have the clue I need. I don't need anything else. And the longer we stay here, kind of like, the more dangerous this becomes. Mm. But Catherine doesn't want to leave because she feels like she's about to have a breakthrough with young Carl. And so Peter, like, bodily picks her up and starts running away. (laughs) Meanwhile, and this, for me, this is maybe, like, the scariest thing, is out comes Vincent D'Onofrio dressed as this weird Alice in Wonderland king guy from the shadows, from the depths, and he grabs young Carl and like starts dragging him away. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't like that. That's like <laughs> really not fun. Um, but Peter effectively gets both 
Catherine and himself back to reality, back in the lab. And he's like, I've got it. I know exactly what to do. Um, and he calls up his partner and he's like, I figured it out. It's this symbol. And this symbol is for like um, a particular like industrial equipment company. Uh, and all we got to do is figure out who ordered this equipment and then we'll know where the victim is. And I was like, whoa, no, what? Like that is quite the, that is quite the stretch. It was such a set of leaps that I was like, I bet that this will lead them down a false thing. Like this won't be the thing. Um, meanwhile, so literally like Vince Vaughn runs out of the room and is like, get me a chopper and he's gone. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, okay, you're really basing this on nothing, but okay. Meanwhile, Catherine is, I mean, I think they used the word chopper, but I certainly used the word chopper in my notes quite a bit. (laughs) Um, meanwhile, while everyone is kind of distracted with Vince Vaughn's like manic energy, Catherine has remained in this lab and then she locks herself in and like makes it so that no one can get in the room where she and Carl are and then she puts herself back under to go back into his mind um and this is where we for the first time everything prior to now has not mentioned the need for drugs to make this connection possible Mm -hmm. but now she's like looking through the manual of like what drugs you have to administer to yourself to make this work and I think she says stuff like opium and LSD and I'm like Jesus um so she shuts herself back in the lab so they're not actually going into people's minds they're just getting super wasted (laughs) well yeah it it could it it could make you think that you have gone into somebody's mind um but the premise of this movie is that it actually happens. Okay. So she drugs herself up and locks herself back into the mind machine. Um, and then more than what like people on the outside, so Miriam and Henry are watching and th- what they see happening is the thing that they said specifically she was not to do, which is allow him to go into her mind. Mm-hmm. the thing she wanted to do with the little boy as well. So in these final scene of mind time, we're in Catherine's mind, not Carl's. Mm. And in Catherine's mind, again, Catherine seems like she might be a bit full of herself because she looks like the Blessed Virgin Mary. <laughs> in her mind, she's like, I'm God. Yes. <laughs> um, so she's sitting there in this like calm place And young Carl finds her there. And this is when finally young Carl speaks to her. And the one thing he says is that, like, he found a bird um, and it was hurt. And he wanted to help heal it, to let it go. But he knew that if his father figured out that he had this bird and was taking care of it, that he would be punished. So instead, he drowned the bird in a bucket or something. Yikes. Um, and, and like, yeah, Catherine's face is, like, extremely, like, ah, oh, yes, that is, I understand. And 
while I know that probably that is the way a therapist, like a therapist I think is meant to not make any Judge. reaction yeah. to anything. Um, but I was like, but honestly, as we've already discussed, I don't have much empathy for Carl. Right. Like even hearing this story of his young self, and I and I think it's meant to be the origin story for all of the terrible things he does later as an adult. I'm like, this isn't very good. Like, I don't feel like, ah, now I see. That yeah. explains it all. Like, it doesn't give you that satisfaction of like, okay, yeah. here it is. Um, yeah. Maybe, on the other hand, though, that's more accurate to how terrible mental health issues are but like um I just didn't think this like gave the satisfaction that I would have liked from it um but nonetheless young Carl basically says like because she because Catherine is trying to say like come with me it'll be fine I'll help you and Carl and this I do think is particularly of interest he says the darkness always finds me which is to say he's telling her don't I'm I'm not I can't be saved like this is something that has happened and I think particularly yeah yeah like it's like if I had if you had caught me maybe even 10 years ago and yeah. I and like and I don't mean caught like in the sense of like the legal system catch but like if yeah, some yeah. person some social safety net had found me then I might have had a chance but at this point that's like I'm too far gone can't yeah. um and and Catherine weirdly like doesn't seem to accept this as a reality in the meantime adult Carl emerges from this weird pond that's in this version of Catherine's mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And he starts attacking them. Young Carl runs away. Catherine transforms into this, like, dark angel version of herself, and she and Carl starts fighting. Mm -hmm. This is when she stabs him with a huge-ass sword. Yeah. Um, And that's when you get a bit of that Edgar voice. (laughs) <laughs> of him because he's he's like blood is literally like gushing out of his mouth and he's like oh, oh, oh you'll never like, Ew. Oh. and and in fact be, she still hesitates kind of killing this version of Carl because of like the young Carl of it all um but she ultimately does kill him and then she finds young Carl and like baptizes him in this same pool um, I don't really get what any of what any of any this of means. What's happening? Um, in the midst of all of this, we keep having these shots cutting back to Peter, like Peter in the chopper, Peter at the barn, Peter like going into the barn, Peter thinking there's nothing here, mm-hmm. Peter discovering there's a secret door that takes me down to the basement, and then finally he finds. The, fat, the last victim, right as she is about to die in of this course. tank. Of course. Um, breaks her out. And, this, and then there's, like, the scene where they keep cutting back and forth. We're seeing J-Lo baptizing young Carl in the pond. We're seeing Vince Vaughn holding this woman as the water leaks out of the tank. And it's, all, it's like, the same 
imagery, and it's also the same imagery uh, that we see associated with depictions of the Blessed Virgin Mary mm-hmm. and the dying Jesus, also known as the Pieta. Because um, that's all, there's a, there's a lot of different sculptures and paintings of like that final moment when oh. Mary is holding the dying or dead, I never remember, like Jesus, right? Oh. And it makes that kind of triangle. Mm. Um, so all of that's happening okay. Um, we return to the lab. Catherine emerges from the mind machine and is crying Cut to some amount of time has passed since this very emotional kind of climax. Mm-hmm. And uh, Catherine has come to Carl's home. The FBI is there. They're going through it, kind of figuring out what motivated him. And they find his, like, creepy room of inspiration. <laughs> um, and... Peter comes out, Catherine has like parked in front of the house, and we learn that she has now adopted Valentine, which is the creepy dog, as her own. Um, And retrained it, because it's not the dog's fault. Well, I'm here, I have an interesting theory, so I'm not sure she's retrained it, because, so, Catherine shows up, and Peter is a bit like, what are you doing here? (laughs) Um, And she says... I wanted to see the house. And she implies, or maybe she directly asks, she kind of like wants to go inside. Mm. And Peter's like, no, I'm sorry, you can't. Like we're in the middle middle of kind of cataloging and going through everything. And she's like, okay, Mm. fine. Um, And then he asks about the dog and he's like, is that a good idea? And she's like, yeah, yeah, it's no big deal. And then they're kind of like, So what's the plan for you? What's your plan? And Catherine says that now, based on her success with letting Carl into her mind, what she wants to do, now she really is convinced that she needs to let this young boy, Edward, into her mind, and that will help him break out of his coma. Mm. Peter then says, I'm not sure that's a great idea. Like, um... He doesn't bring up the consent thing like Miriam did, mm-hmm. um, but he is just like, you know, I'm just not so sure. Like, you did that in a specific situation, mm-hmm. uh, but I'm not sure that's great for, like, the long term. Mm-hmm. And then JLo says in a very creepy way, I would never do anything to hurt Edward. Ew. And when she said that... She was a little Carly. Yeah, I thought that what they were going to imply was that Carl had jumped into her mind. Uh And that when she baptized young Carl, that he had a piece of her, him, had like gotten into her. Yeah. And that's why she kept this dog. And that what I was worried was going to happen was like she was going to go into Edward's mind and then turn Edward into a little baby serial killer. So he would be like a preteen. Well, they never did like, a cell too, so we don't know. They never did. So basically, um, J-Lo and Vince Vaughn say goodbye to each other. And the final scene, I think, is in Catherine's mind. She's gone back to this weird desert. And Edward is there. And 
that's kind of it. I like I don't remember if they hug or what, but they like look at each other. Now, according to Wikipedia, this ending is meant to be hopeful. Like it's meant to be like she's helping him. But I was like, but she was acting so creepy in that second to last scene. Like she wanted to go into the house. She has Carl's dog. She says I would never do anything to hurt Edward. I was like, what if she, I just really, I didn't read the end. I didn't read the end as like, and everything's great now. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely isn't. It is not a movie where everything great now at the end. I mean, as it was ending, I literally said out loud to myself, by myself, I hated that movie. Um, (laughs) I was, I was not pleased with it. I prefer you explaining it to me than me watching it. I don't know if I hated it, but it was, it was just, I would have, I think what would have made it better for me is if the crime part had been more fully developed. Yeah, that would have helped me a lot too, because it, or it just been more crime focused. <laughs> yeah. And less I mean, of this like, mind bullshit. I, I liked, I mean, I liked the visuals. I, I shouldn't keep saying liked because they're so dis- disturbing but I appreciated I appreciated the artistry of the mind visuals but those I think I would have appreciated the whole thing more if the crime part had been better developed yeah that's what I'll say Mm -hmm. um so to conclude Mm -hmm. yawns and eye rolls yeah one yawn is I was in no way bored I was on the edge of my seat and Tenyon's is like, whoa, 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 could not care less. What oh. would you do? I mean, I was, you know, I, not that the, I would say like eight. I was pretty bored. And mainly, because, yeah, mainly because I didn't, get, I didn't get it. So therefore I become bored when I don't get it. Yeah, I and understand. It was too long. It was like, <laughs> it was too long for me. It was about. Because I think this was like a 140. It was like 150, I think. And I was bored. I remember at one point I looked and I was like, oh, my God, only 38 minutes have gone by. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I was I was pretty bored. I'm going to say eight. Okay, Um, I wasn't bored, but I also wasn't super engaged either. So I guess I might give it like a a three. Oh, that's pretty good. Three or four, (laughs) maybe. Um, yeah, maybe that's too generous. Um, but like, yeah, honestly, like the imagery of it all did keep me more engaged Mm -hmm. to begin with. So that's, Mm -hmm. yeah, maybe a five is a fair, like just kind of right down the middle. Mm -hmm. Um, then for eye rolls, uh, let's see, one eye roll is like, uh, it's just a movie, whatever. Um, oh yeah, it was one forty-seven. That is getting long. on the long side. Um, so one eye roll is like you know it's a movie. We're in the, a fantasy world anyway. Here we go. And then ten eye rolls is like I just could not buy into any of this. Yeah, that's a ten for me. I think because wow, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Only because and and not even specifically because of eye rolls, but just because I need to like express how much I did disliked this I think okay I think I disliked it more than like almost anything else we've watched that's shocking only because like 
and like just like spoilers for like the last two seconds of what we're about to say is like for in in almost every other scenario where we talk about did I do you like something do you recommend yeah. it I would say there's some caveats or but like sure if sure, you're like this sure. person you should watch it if yeah. you're that person you should watch this I would not recommend this to anyone I would wow. never I would never say to someone yeah spend two hours of your life watching that because wow I wouldn't oh my gosh this is wild I had no expectation that this was going to be the movie to break you <laughs> I I know because I know I there's not, other ones that I kind of like I like was just as bored by or just as nonplussed by but like I couldn't uh, I can understand why someone would watch like Tron and enjoy that weirdness sure, it was sure. not for me but I could understand right. that somebody else's jam this like is like it's weird it's also got disgusting feet like it's like not feel good it's like I don't know what we're doing here <laughs> <laughs> um Wow. Other than the I, visuals, like if you want visuals like that, if that's like if we're talking about the visuals being the defining feature and the and the thing that holds it together, watch some music videos. Yeah. It's much yeah, more concise. Fair. fair. <laughs> um, wow. This is I'm like I know I need to say my eye roll score. Yeah, but sorry. Like this is I I just didn't I really didn't expect this to be the one that was yeah. gonna be like, I fucking hate this. <laughs> I know. I, um, I I wouldn't have either necessarily. Uh wow, okay. Um so for me, eye rolls, I guess I would put it high on the eye roll scale just because they really ask a lot of the audience, both in terms of not really doing much crime development or mm -hmm. story development or sci-fi development. Like yeah. all of it's like very <laughs> surface. Um, I think I'll have to give it like an eight. Yeah. Um, which isn't to say I hated it, but it is to say. <laughs> yeah, there's there, lots of things. Like, it so they pretended the schizophrenia was like straight up not the way that it really is. Yeah, and, then, and like, the thing, and the thing is, is like to me the the fixes were so like it would have been so little to yeah. just do a little bit more. Yeah. And that didn't happen. And with I the budget they why. had, they could have done it. It's not like it is yeah. an indie film. Yeah, and so that to me is just like, come on, you. It it wouldn't have taken much more to just like tighten this up, and then it would have been very cool. Yeah. So I'm giving it an eight. So you already said never recommend, never no. watch, never do anything. No. Um, I would say I mean, here's the deal. Also, I it's a free country. And wow, I you're your, just your like so <laughs> full of vim and vigor no. and like stuff to say about this. I no, I'm just wow. saying it's a free okay. country and you can uh, free will, right? Like do what you want with your time. I would never right. tell you to spend your time doing this. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say I think actually I would say Scrub through to the cool mind bits. <laughs> Don't bother with the story. The cool mind Don't bits are interesting. Story. The cool mind bits are interesting from a visual perspective. Um, especially if you are someone who likes a grotesque goth carnival. Um, yeah, okay, if you like... Okay, if you're someone who likes things that are grotesque... Hey, actually, if you are someone who likes... <laughs> like the Saw movies, for example. If that, sure. if you can watch that, if you can watch a whole movie of that, you may be into You'll this. You'll probably like this, yeah. <laughs> um, 
That's all we can say. But, I mean, yeah. Maybe also just watch Nine Inch Nails closer again. <laughs> and then you get the same feel. Uh, but you only need to spend four minutes doing it. Um, well, I am... I don't... I'm flabbergasted. <laughs> um, but... It's been a pleasure to talk to you about this movie, Amy. I am Sarah. I am Sarah. And we will see you next week in space. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of See You Next Week in Space. This is a production by Amy and Sarah Walsh with artwork provided by Riley Brown. If you'd like to learn more about our show, please check us out at seeyounextweekinspace.com or follow us on Instagram at seeyounextweekinspace. Until the next one.